On this episode, we talk about Windows 10's new build, Threshold 2, and Redstone. This is the SAMS Report. Today is October, wow, today is October 16th, which means the month of October is now half over. Holy cow, that's actually a lot to take in. Yeah, so October 16th, month is half over. This is the SAMS Report, and it has been a yet another crazy week in the world of Microsoft. But before we dive into that, just a couple show notes, life notes, whatever, company notes, site notes, whatever you want to call them. So Throt um, has launched two new social feeds. Hopefully you saw the post. We have Throt feed on Twitter and on Facebook. It's just T-H-U-R-R-O-T-T-F-E-E-D, Throt feed. Um, we're also thinking about spinning that off into a brand of fertilizer because that's what it sounds like, although we are not actually going to do that. But that's what we've done is we've created um, just site channels. The reason why we've done it, it's one, it's just considered a good practice before these existed. Um, Throt didn't actually have a Facebook page, which was kind of interesting considering how large Throt has become over the past uh, couple months. So there is now a proper Facebook page, a proper uh, Twitter channel, and follow along and for all that good stuff, and you'll find everything Paul and I do over there. So got a couple other questions about that stuff. So there's going to be some changes coming to the site, nothing to do with content. Um, we're, <laughs> we're changing up some of the layout. Don't expect complete dramatic overhauls here, people. It's just going to be some usability issues, make things a little bit more logical. Um, the, the site designs right now, when I joined the company, I said, that's something we have to change. And nobody disagreed with me. And so there's going to be some slight, slight tweaks, uh, better layout, just better flow and easier navigation. But again, don't expect major overhauls. This is not a complete teardown and rewrite. That will come um, at a later point in time. But for now, it's just to get things up to a more standard and usable level. So just keep your eye uh, on that stuff, and it will be coming soon. Let's see. People are already chatting it up on Twitter. Good stuff. So let's get started here. Um, another crazy week for Microsoft. And it seems like I say that every week, but for the past, I don't know, six or seven weeks or so, Microsoft has really been on the ball, either releasing new hardware, releasing new uh, versions of Windows. And this week, we got two brand new versions of both, actually. So we got a new mobile build, we got a new desktop build, and Gabe had just been back there just whack-a-mole on the button, just pressing it all day long, which is great. Um, there's a couple kind of things we need to talk about here through this stuff, but it's Microsoft is moving at a very quick pace, especially this time of the year. Now, don't get me wrong, there was a lot of work leading up to this type of um, execution because as we all know, it's not exactly easy to be shipping uh, new versions of an OS every week. But hey, give credit to some Microsoft, give credit to Microsoft, to Gabe, to the entire team that is building the OSs, plural, because they're doing a great job. Um, it's not easy to do this stuff day in and day out. And, and they're adapting to this new model of rapid release. Um, even though they, they started with rapid release several years ago, a couple years ago, we're really starting to see what that actually entails now. We are living this rapid release cycle, and it's really cool. So what happened this week? Microsoft gave us a brand new build of Windows Desktop. I believe it's 10565. But there's some things we need to, to keep in mind here. We got a question, um, actually both and I, I believe Paul and I did, about what is Threshold 2? 
What is Threshold 2? Well, Threshold 2 is essentially what Microsoft just delivered. And um, we are now in that well deep into the Threshold Wave 2 branch. And it's really just going to be the series of updates that you have seen come across the Insider Program, which isn't a big surprise if you think about it. I mean, that's the point of the Insider Program. You get these new features ahead of release. You get to test them out, play with them, um, hopefully make them perfect-ish. And then they get pushed down to the retail channel. Because you got to remember everything that's come since July 29th those people on RTM do not have. They don't have them at all. So Threshold is just this accumulation of all these features that we have seen, the memory improvements, the visual improvements, the context menu improvements, um, the new Skype apps that came out, which we'll talk about here more in a second, um, Cortana improvements now supporting handwritten notes, uh, Edge getting tab previews, Edge also now has the ability to sync favorites and um, reading lists as well. So what we see here is really just threshold wave two, just kind of under these different different accumulation of features. And that's exactly what it is. That shouldn't be a big surprise to anybody who's followed along closely, but for those who are just kind of new to the Windows um, preview program, that's what it is. But it's really, really cool though, because we are now seeing these products almost come to life right in front of us. We get to see these features and it's like, oh, hey, these are gonna be coming down the line. Um, but it's working out well. I, Microsoft is behind back doors said, um, you know, this is actually working out better than they expected. They are moving at a very good rate. Um, it's probably why Gabe got a nice promotion out of all of this, but it, it's working exceptionally well for the company. They're getting good feedback. They're getting all these different SKUs getting tested. And uh, yeah, it's really good stuff. And so that's basically what Threshold 2 is. Well, the one feature we have not seen, we have not seen yet show up in Threshold 2 um, now that we've got our Skype apps, which are mostly working, we'll talk about that here in a second, is we still have yet to see extensions for Edge. And that was very much on the docket for this fall um, for Threshold Wave 2. And Threshold Wave 2, for those who have not heard, Microsoft has not announced publicly, but I've heard from several sources now that we are looking at a November release. So keep that in mind that these features should be really firming up here for November, I know internally Microsoft had a big push for some internal deadlines this past week. I don't think that's the complete lockdown of Threshold Wave 2, but I know they're getting very, very close to it. They had, um, yeah, they were burning the midnight oil, I believe, in several different product groups across the company, and I believe it's related to this release cycle. So that's what's coming. We still haven't yet to hear about Threshold or the extensions, which is kind of alarming. Because for me, the extensions are a big deal. I use quite a few of them with Chrome, and I had previously heard that essentially you're gonna be able to take Chrome plugins and use them on Edge. There might be a few, slight few tweaks, but um, it's not gonna be for developers. It's not gonna be a complete rewrite to this stuff. Um, but these, yeah, so we have yet to see extensions, and I don't wanna quit harping on it because it seems like you give a mouse a cookie, then we ask for something else. But extensions are a big deal for a lot of people, um, myself included. I use, I, I do a lot of shopping online. There's actually a great plugin called Honey that looks up coupons and all sorts of stuff. And my wife uses it all the time and it's not available on Edge. There's nothing like it on Edge. So that's one of them. I'm not, I don't really use Adblock on much of anything um, for obvious reasons. You shouldn't be using Adblock on um, throughout or Petri. If you don't, please don't. Um, that's how we pay the bills. Um, that's a side though, but I don't really use Adblocking, but I also use Google Analytics plugins, which would be interesting to see if they come into uh, to edge, but we've yet to hear really anything other than it's coming. So we'll see. That's kind of one of the uh, the missing items from Edge at this time. But we got 
at least we got syncing now and we've referred cross favorites and reading lists. Hopefully uh, we'll get the complete syncing package with passwords and everything else and change log or your browsing history and all that good stuff um, should be coming soon. But what else came in this build, which was brand new, is actually somebody's messaged me. Uh, somebody asked why there isn't chat. So you can chat on the Google Plus page, but nobody uses Google Plus. I've really got to figure this chat thing out. I looked at Biblo, but I really didn't like what it offered. I need to just look around and I've been excessively lazy, but I've also been really, really busy. Uh, that's why we can't chat. But really, and if you do want to chat, just hit me up on Twitter. I'm looking at the Twitter feed right now. It's just at BDSAMS. Or you can hit the actually the at throat feed, although I'm not actively watching that one all the time, but just send a message out where the last one came through. But anyway, so there's Skype messages. Uh, the Skype application is now shipping. And what the Skype application is actually a series of apps that kind of break apart the Skype experience. And I'm a little mixed on this. I think I know where they're going with it, that you'll eventually have SMS capabilities and this messaging hub will actually grow beyond what is Skype. And so the first iteration is just that, just the first iteration. I'm not completely convinced that I will be using them on a daily basis just because I use Skype for to talk, chat with Paul and chat with everyone else on the Blue Whale web team. And we use the calls frequently. And to me, taskbar space is a premium, so I only want one app open and the desktop app the proper desktop app is still the way to go. But I know for those of you who are light in the world of Skype, just the messaging app may be enough and it just gives you a clean, simple way. And I'll be real curious to see how they expand it if they tie it into other protocols. Um, I really do believe at some point we'll be able to do SMS messaging across to your phone, just like you can do on OS X. And that will be the point of it, uh, that app, because I don't believe SMS, that type of functionality natively will come to Skype desktop app at least that's what I've heard. Um, even though you can do some funky things with SMS messaging in Skype, but not like what you're wanting. Um, so there's apps are there. Mine don't work all that well. They're pretty laggy and they don't show the messages up. Um, I've had some just odd issues of messages just not showing up. I think I'm an outlier in this scenario. It seems like most people have an okay experience with this stuff, um, but that's just, that's just my personal experience. Um, with this. And speaking of this RTM build, so if you're following along on Twitter or anything of the like, um, it completely hosed, for the most part, my Dell XPS 13. I actually got stuck into a blue screen reboot loop during the update process. Uh, I was not the only one who ran into this issue, and Microsoft, to their credit, was very quick to like swoop in and say, hey, let's you know try to diagnose this issue. Uh, the ironic part was is that the bits were already downloaded that started the process of updating. So even if I jumped to the slow ring, they were already there. And every time it got to 100% of the, it seemed like it was downloading like two files. I don't know what it was doing. But every time I got to 100%, every single time, my, my machine would blue screen every time. And it was doing it so quickly that it was hard to actually get in and switch the slow ring. So what I had to do was actually just turn off Wi-Fi um, which was harder than you think because it, the, the process was so quick because the file was already downloaded. I mean, it was blue screening within 15 seconds of a reboot every single time. And so what I ended up doing was, um, fortunately, Microsoft released the ISOs. If you did not catch that, Microsoft did put the ISOs out for this build, and they didn't exactly say why they did it because this is kind of a randomness, but I have two theories. I, I don't know if it has anything to do with there was a sizable, even though it was small, but um, when you have last number they said was what, 7 million insiders. If you have a small percentage of 7 million people, 
experiencing blue screens like I was, it's still a large number. Um, so even if it was only 10%, that's what, 70,000 or 700,000. So 1% would be what, 7,000 or 70,000? Geez, can't keep my zero straight here. So even if only 1% were in fact impacted, it's still quite a few users. And generally, you know, the squeaky wheel gets gets the grease. So they put out the ISOs and that's and how I ended up fixing it was I just loaded the ISO and just did a clean install and bam, up there. But that is the perils of the fast ring. So keep in mind that if you're in the fast ring, these types of things do happen to people, myself included here, obviously. And we should be, you know, just be aware of that. What's kind of odd or anything is we haven't seen anything come out in the slow ring. So Microsoft really isn't utilizing their two ring theory that they created. They just have this fast ring. And typically they would only push out ISOs with the slow ring. Now all of a sudden we're still in the fast ring, still getting, or not still, but now we're getting an ISO. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they did that because of the blue screen, but there you go. Eh, who knows? Um, the other theory here is which Thanos just tweeted at me. He said that they're reusing the ISIS so people can test activation, the keys. So there's a new activation model that Microsoft introduced. And I don't know why it took them so long to do this. Um, I think it's because they're probably scrambling or whatever, right at the end, the feature got cut. So if you have Windows 10 and you do an upgrade and it says it is not activated, it is not activated and you get those annoying little pop-ups and saying blah 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 activate even though you have a proper key uh, now what microsoft is letting you do is actually activate windows 10 upgrades with the windows 7 or 8 keys that you already own and so this works alongside with your digital entitlement and blah 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 blah, blah. it makes it much much easier um, i have not personally experienced this but some the people who have had these issues are saying that this is actually solving um, the problem that they were experiencing with the activation. So good on Microsoft, they finally listened and they got, it seems like this issue resolved. And so hopefully we can all now move on past it. And the other thing is, I know they did say this in the blog post, but it's just interesting that they do this stuff after there was a large swath of people getting blue screens, uh, which had not occurred previously on updates for most part. But anyways, so the ISOs are out there. I've already grabbed them, I've installed them. Um, this is good because typically if you want an ISO, you have to go to a third party to get it, but Microsoft is releasing the clean official package. And so that is that. Woo, so that is the Windows 10 RTM threshold stuff. So I'll be curious to see if they have anything up their sleeves with this thre threshold wave too. Keep in mind, it was not intended ever to be a large update. It was intended to be kind of a accumulation of things that got cut right before uh, RTM so they can meet RTM and Skype apps being one of them, some edge features. But for those of you who are curious about the next update, the next update that follows Threshold Wave 2 is going to be known as Redstone. I actually broke this news back when I was still at Neowin, uh, back in about the June-ish timeframe. And so Redstone is what is essentially threshold without the RTM. What I mean is Redstone is gonna come in two waves. It'll come next year, uh, targeting roughly the same time, time frames, June, July release for the first wave. And then we have an October, November-ish timeframe for the second wave. And what the company is doing from what I gather from you know looking at their patterns, they have two, two waves of threshold, two waves of Redstone. Looks like they're gonna go for two essentially updates of features per year for Windows 10 for the foreseeable future. And so Redstone is the next iteration. And there's not too much known about it yet. I'm waiting to see if Mary Jo gets any more information. From what I have heard from my sources is that it's still 
very much in the scoping phase of what the OS is actually going to be. And you got to imagine that building this stuff is generally not the hardest part. It's thinking, I mean, you imagine like Terry and I don't know if Adele is in it or whatever, Gabe and all these people sit around a room and they say, hey, what are we going to do with Windows? And they've got to figure out what they want to build. Building things is kind of the easy part because you already know what you have to do. Right now they're in this phase of saying, okay, here's the things we want. Here's what we want to do. And what I've heard is that Redstone is going to become more of a hub. Um, it's going to be more of think of think of how they're doing it with the phone where you have, you can use any phone with um, Windows 10. But they also want to expand this to things like health. Um, I would imagine, really, we haven't seen much of Windows 10 desktop with IoT support. I mean, you can use the apps, but I'm, I'll be curious to see maybe if they build some more of that support in. Um, and they just want to make Windows 10 more hub-like, make it the, the center of everything digital that you own is now going to work with Windows 10 um, in a native fashion. So that's kind of what I've heard. I'm sure there's going to be more UI enhancements. I'm sure there's going to be more functionality. One of the things that we never saw with uh, Threshold here is that you cannot pin tiles to the desktop. And I had heard that that was at one point in the planning process. And obviously, it got cut somewhere along the way, meaning that, OK, you click on the Start menu. And let's just say you want to have the weather tile pinned to your desktop that you could just drag it right onto the desktop. That was on planning documentation at one point and obviously never made it into the production. So I'll be curious to see if that type of functionality comes, if they do any more improvements to the start menu optimizations with tiles. It'd be nice uh, if you could do tile folders within the start menu, although that's kind of in different people probably feel one way or another. But it'd just be nice to have the features so you could group all your office icons or live tiles in one. and all your browsers and whatever else you you accumulate in the start menu. So those would be a couple things that keep on the uh, keep on the lookout for to see if they show up with Redstone that did not make it into Threshold Wave Two. And so we come to the next build of Windows Phone or Windows Ten for the phone. Windows Ten for the phone. So I've got it. Obviously, I've got it right here on my Lumia 830 that I use. Also got it here on the uh, what is this, Lumia 640? And the one thing that I've, the takeaway from this is this build is much more polished than the previous couple iterations. Um, I didn't really have too many issues updating and once installed, um, it was, yeah, it was great. It, it runs so much quicker and it runs just smooth. You can do whatever you need to and without the fear of apps crashing. A lot of times I had a lot of settings app crashing a lot of times. And it all appears to be just kind of working. I mean, I'm just playing with it here. The password works well. Um, although this one, this install is a little bit screwy just because I haven't fully restored it yet. I've got, you know, my basics, my Twitter and my Facebook and Skype set up, which is um, pretty much where I live my life these days and email. Um, the reason for that is Microsoft actually had to have you flash all the way back to Windows Phone 8.1 and then go back up. So, and especially on an 830 and 640, that takes a quite a bit of time. And these are not the most high power devices. But the OS, I mean, I'm playing with it still. And it's still, you know, there's a little bit of lag. But it's night and day difference between stability of four weeks ago versus what we have now. I still don't know if I would put this on as a daily driver yet. But Windows 10 Mobile is finally coming together. And I believe, um, shooting off the top of my head here, is that the Lumia 950s are coming in November. 
And we're also going to see the Windows 10 mobile rolling out to existing devices supposedly in December is what the Facebook page says. Um, Joel writes in that his icon is absolutely destroying the battery, 50% gone already, and it's been off the charger for one and a half hours. Cortana is off. So there you go. Um, every experience is a little bit different. I am not using the icon with it, although I, I guess I get tested out. I've got a couple of them sitting over there on older builds. And there you go. So based on what Joel is saying, I would definitely not put this on an icon by any means. And it says the dumb app messaging app keeps crashing and I can't reopen it without a reboot. Good times. And that's pretty much the experience of Windows 10 Mobile. It's very device dependent. And yeah, keep it on a on a on a non-production. I was trying to think of the correct turn here. Keep it on the non-production type device. That would be the way um, you should really approach this stuff because it's again, my experience is is it's all right. And Joel's experience is the complete opposite. But anyways, so what else came new with this build was that Cortana got some improvements and now supports Japan, um, Japanese, I would interpret um, English for <laughs> Australian and Canadian dialects. The messaging app has improved. You can now expand the, um, the text box expands. There's integration with Skype in the messaging app. And overall, it's just a little bit more stable and they fixed a lot of bugs. But again, they are coming down to the, the 12th hour here with this type of stuff and they really need to just lock this down. Otherwise, it's going to be a buggy build release, and that's going to be just bad for everybody involved. But that is what is going on in the wide world of Windows Mobile, Windows 10 Mobile, which is interesting because there's been, since the announcement of the 950, let's just kind of dig, dig into this. Th uh, Pandos has already said, these are not my phones. I inherited these. And whatever they are, what they are, they're good phones. Don't get me wrong. I'm just kind of paraphrasing what he said. He said, these are not my phones. Um, and you'll see my phones later. He didn't quite use those words, but Panos has not had put his, his touch on it. So there was a lot of people saying, oh, okay, Windows 10 mobile is just kind of still dead. Um, I don't necessarily know if I agree with that. I think the 950s are good devices. I don't know if they're the Uber premium devices we all want. I think everybody kind of wants a... I don't think everybody kind of wants. I think every Windows fan wants a Surface phone um, that, you know, give us a magnesium phone that looks gorgeous, runs a super awesome build of Windows 10 Mobile, has all the features that we come to expect, might even support pen input, and that's what everybody wants. So where I'm going with this is that people are writing off these devices before they've even shipped. I think they're going to do, in terms of Windows phones, I think they'll do all right just because they do offer a lot. But at the same time, in the back of my mind is, would I buy one? Um, I uh, I think I would buy one, honestly, because we're not going to see a Surface phone. It's not going to be like coming out next month. Like if you're waiting for a Surface phone, you're going to be waiting for a little bit. It's not right around the corner by any means. Um, so yeah, I think they will sell well, especially among Windows Phone fans, because they haven't really had a high-end device in a while. The, the, the specs are fantastic. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the specs. It's just making sure that the software is up to the speed of the specs. Um, because we, you know, we got this premium device. We want to make sure the OS runs premium as well. And I'll be curious to see what happens with the Astoria and Islandwood apps. Um, we haven't really heard too much about them coming yet. And I'll be curious to see if Microsoft has a big push with this stuff. And for those not familiar, those are the bridges Microsoft calls them that allow Android and iOS developers to almost natively port their app to Windows into the Windows universe. And so we haven't heard too much about it. Microsoft's being pretty quiet. They have opened up the Android version of it um, to a much wider group, I know, roughly around the month of August. 
but as for the output of what apps we're seeing come across, that's actually a very good question. Not that they're going to be labeled saying, hey, this is previously Android, but we really just, you would think Microsoft would get the pomp and circumstance out for this type of stuff. Um, I don't know if they're just sitting and waiting or what their intent is with this, but that's, that's kind of where we're at. So what else is going on in the world of Microsoft this week? Keeping it compact and dense because that's what people say they like is that Microsoft, this is, this is really interesting actually, is they're going to offer you 200 bucks if you trade in your old PC or 300 bucks for a MacBook. So there they go kind of showing the premiumness of Apple's devices. But if you're in the market for a, a Microsoft device and you want to buy a laptop and you have one, um, you know, 200 bucks, 300 bucks off is that's a decent amount of money. It's really not a bad deal. I do wonder what Microsoft does with this stuff after they get it. Obviously, they've got that all figured out, some sort of recycling program, I would imagine. Um, but hey, that's a pretty easy way to save a couple hundred bucks off of a new machine. So good on you, Microsoft. And the other thing that has been going on about these, speaking of trade-ins, so in the UK, a friend of mine, Michael Gillett, um, tweeted out that there is a trade-in program, at least in the UK, for the band one, from band one to band two. And I don't quote me on this, but I believe it was 70 pounds that they were going to offer, which is roughly about a hundred bucks, uh, might be a little more, but I thought it was around a hundred bucks towards a trade-in of a band two, which is a really good deal for considering how beat up some bands are. So Paul and I both did some digging around saying, hey, is this coming to the US? And we have not heard anything. Uh, Microsoft isn't mustering a peep about this stuff. So sadly, I don't, I, for those who keep asking, I sadly, I wish I could tell you said, hey, um, yeah, this is going to happen, but we don't know, and I would think we would have heard something by now. I suspect if they're going to do a trade-in program, maybe it happens a little bit later, and they try to get the initial people to bite without ponying up that extra extra money. I don't quite know. I don't know what their uh, what their thought process here, and Microsoft is sometimes about as transparent as a block of concrete. So I'll be curious to see if that actually comes about. But for now, and if you live in the US or anywhere else we're selling the band, there is no indication that there's going to be any sort of update program. Um, so here's something else that's been happening this week, and I want to kind of dive into this. The Surface Book, um, I tweeted out, I think it was maybe the first one or whatever, not that it really matters. Um, Microsoft, or I tweeted out that the high-end Surface Book, the, the Mac Daddy right now, which is only 512 gig, only five, 512 gig, I think the i7 Model W GPU was like 2,700 bucks, uh, completely sold out. And then it came back on, then it came back available, then it was sold out. And then for a while there, everything, all the models were sold out. So let's just kind of talk about Microsoft and manufacturing here. So Microsoft still has this chip on its shoulder from the Surface RT where they took a $900 million write down a $900 million write down, um, rounded up to a billion, but 900 million is what they did for the Surface RT. And so when it comes to producing hardware, other than the Xbox, Microsoft gets really, really nervous about this, for rightfully so. And so they adopt a model, um, what is generally referred to as lean manufacturing and lead, lean lead time, which means they kind of just build them as they need them. Um, they don't develop these huge stockpiles of, um, inventory, they don't develop um, significant channel buildup in any way, shape, or form. And so what that result is, is that online, it will show that these things sell very quickly. And don't get me wrong, they do have some inventory, right? They know they're going to sell X or Y or Z amount. Um, but they need to 
be cautious because they got burned by building up a massive inventory like they did with Service RT. So don't be surprised to see these things go in and out of stock pretty quickly because Microsoft's saying, okay, they're gonna stay out and then they're gonna try to order some more. And, and this sounds very logical, but manufacturing, it's hard to do this just because the manufacturer doesn't just keep all the parts and pieces around on deck, right? Then they have to go source them and everything else. And it's a ripple effect. But uh, Microsoft, is selling through these things, which is fantastic for the company. It's good on them. Um, Surface Book, we'll have more about that soon. Um, trademark soon, TM, is what we say on Twitter. And I'll have a lot more about that stuff um, here in the near future. But yeah, so they are selling out. So if you're trying to buy one, I mean, at least keep your eye on it for the pre-orders that they're, uh, they are slim pickings. And, but they should be available, I believe, in the stores as well, uh, which might be part of the reason why the... Um, devices are, you know, quote unquote, out of stock, even though they keep coming in and out of stock really quickly. But Microsoft is doing what they can, blah, blah, blah. And that's the end of that. So just keep in mind that when they're selling out, it's not um, like the end all of everything. And one of the things I wish Microsoft would do, and I think it's because of their manufacturing process. So Apple just, when they build an iPhone, they just know they're gonna be continuously churning off the manufacturing line. Microsoft, when it builds the Surface Book, it's not going to be continuously churning. It's not just a 24-7 daily operation. And which is why Apple will just say, okay, they don't do we're out of order or out of stock. They just simply say your pre-order will ship by X date uh, because they know they have this continuous supply and it's easier to predict those dates. I, I wish Microsoft would take that model as well, but it's a little bit harder for them because they're not, they're doing this lean manufacturing style and they're not continuously producing. So they don't exactly know when things are going to be coming back in. I think that's why, but you know, so be it. That's that's the deal with um, the Surface Book selling out. Oh, so uh, other things. <laughs> There's also oh, I forgot to say this in the uh, Windows 10 Mobile update. There's also diverse mo diverse emojis. Uh, really, what that means is somebody asked. Is it just it's different skin tones? So diverse emojis being all encompassing of all races and genders and uh, everything in between. And that's what the, that means when somebody asks. So here is a goof that Microsoft admitted to. Windows 10 was, was and hopefully still is not, accidentally being downloaded as a default option on Windows 7 and 8 machines. And what this is, and because there, there's a lot of bad headlines out there, um, and not calling anyone in particular because several sites did this, they said Windows 10 is installing on machines without the users and without the user allowing the machine to do this. Uh, that is not correct. What the issue was is that when you go to Windows Update, there are optional updates. Optional, right? Optional. Doesn't mean they're mandatory. And by default, they're not supposed to be checked. And what happened was, and you know, happened, is that the Windows 10 update somehow, you know, in the midst of all this update stuff got by Microsoft got checked as a default download. So what was going on here is that the Windows 10 bits, just the bits, not actually installing, just the content, the, the megabytes, the gigabytes, were downloading onto people's machines. They were not installing, but the optional update was downloading. And actually a very good friend of mine, Mary Jo Foley, I'm sure you've probably heard of her, uh, had this issue. And so she looked and said, hey, Windows 10 is downloaded on my machine. I did not want it on my window. She has a Windows 7 desktop. She said she just miraculously had these bits on um, taking up storage space. And so here's kind of my thing.
so Microsoft obviously is trying to is being super aggressive. How I mean, how they're being super aggressive. One, Windows 10 given away given away for free um, for everybody who had Windows 7 or 8. Two, it's going through Windows updates, super easy to do. Three, if you buy a new Windows 8 machine right now, or Windows machine that has Windows 8, actually during the setup process, or what some people call the out-of-box experience, there's actually the prompt to update to Windows 10 right from within there. So it's they are really being super aggressive because they're trying to get to 1 billion installs. So when they say this update was optionally downloaded, I, I do wonder, um, like, is it just they got caught with it being mandatory or automatically downloading, or was it truly an accident? I don't really have an answer for that. I probably will never get an answer for that. But um, yeah, so here we go. Users around the world, uh, Mary Jo Foley, very trustworthy, says, hey, I didn't click that. I've got Windows 10 on my machine. And fortunately, it does not install. And that's what the, he the headlines were saying, Windows 10 automatically installing on users' machines without authorization, that is false. What it is is Windows 10 is downloading on these users' machines because the user still has to click install and walk through the process. And so I'm guessing that these people now see the pop and say, hey, Windows 10 is ready to install. And they're like, wait a minute, I didn't want this. So it downloaded, not installed. That's the clarification, just so everybody is aware. And yeah, that's what's going on in the world of Windows 10. A um, couple logistic things here for Microsoft. Microsoft moved Ignite, uh, which is a new conference for them, or new last year, from Chicago to Atlanta. They also changed it from May to September. And a couple crazy things going on here. So they left Chicago, and two theories about this. One is that they decided they wanted to change the dates. So they didn't have a you know, build and, and Ignite back to back. And they went to the Chicago venue and said, hey, we need to go to X dates. And they said, nope, can't do that, is one theory. And so Microsoft was like, well, we've got to leave Chicago then. Um, and I'm really happy they are moving the dates because last year it was literally back to back. Like you had the week, uh, it was like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday was build. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday was ignite. Like only things separated from a weekend. And I only went to build because I didn't want to go to both because I don't know, that's a lot of travel and back to back and just wasn't great. Um, Joel, Joel entered, asked a question here. I'll try to get this question at the end. But anyway, so they moved it to Atlanta um, and in September. So take it for that. The other kind of consideration was Microsoft got a lot of bad feedback from the Chicago event about logistics. Just getting to and from the venue was just horrific. Hotel situations were not good. So I'm wondering if they left Chicago too because of that and Microsoft has liked Atlanta. That's where Microsoft holds, I believe it's internal sales meeting, which is generally, if you've never seen their internal sales meeting videos and whatnot, it's generally just a huge party um, thrown by Kevin Turner. And I believe it was generally in Atlanta. So they already have a venue that they know works on large scale. Moving to Atlanta, going to the fall. That's the end of that. Um, it works out well, because then you now have build in the spring. You have uh, the Windows Partner Conference in the summer. And now you have Ignite in the fall-ish um, timeframe. So it kind of spreads things out for them, makes life easier for somebody like me. And that is that. So a couple of questions that came in through the Twitter feed, and then we'll wrap it up here. So Joel asks, so what do you think of the rumors about the XL supporting a Surface Pen? So let's talk about this for a second. So inside the Surface Pro and the what's it called, Surface Pro and Surface Book, is a chip that Microsoft created called the G5, which I think is interesting because IBM has a chip called the G5 uh, way back in from the, the days of PowerPC, G5, PowerPC, Mac days. 
Anywho, and I believe that is the chip that is really driving these touch and experiences. And I, I need to look, but I don't believe that is in the XL, which I think was rumored at one point. Um, I think it would be neat if the pen did support. I mean, look at this pen. I mean, it's a good pen. So, like, you know, let's get this thing on a phone because I do like a stylus. It is a pretty big stylus for a phone, but I, I honestly think my gut here tells me that they're going to save this feature for the Surface phone. Um, that's my personal opinion. I don't have anything to back that up, but that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that we're going to see that in a true Lumia, or might, might not even be branded Lumia, actually, personally. I don't think it will be. Uh, a true Windows Mobile flagship will come with pen support. It will come with that G5 chip, and it, all the bells and whistles. I'd be, I don't think it'll have a type cover, but it'll be the 950 and 950 XL, don't get me wrong, have great continuum experiences, but I think they can be a little bit better um, built into the phone. So I think we will see a proper Surface phone that embodies everything Windows 10 is supposed to be. So there is that. Oh, yeah, interesting. So there are two Joels asking questions. There's Joel Russworth and Joel Koss. So those are the two people. Uh, there was another question about Redstone. I'm trying to figure out what it was. Oh, so will Redstone have interactive tiles? So interactive tiles do exist. There was actually a Microsoft uh, demo video, I believe it came out of the research, where just like imagine like a, the little live tiles, a calculator, and you could just punch on the tile and get that. I don't know if that's coming with Redstone. Um, I do know where that product was in line for Threshold, and it was really low, really, really low on the agenda for getting things done. So I would imagine it's still pretty low on the priority list for Redstone. That being said, I don't, and this is, I'm trying to think too quickly, I don't know if there's a great use case for it, um, and maybe that's why it got abandoned. Although I could see going back to like using your pen and using it in um, tablet mode, interactive tiles could actually be quite convenient, especially for something like a to-do list, actually. Now that I think about it, a to-do list with interactive tiles would be pretty cool, right? So you have a big, large live tile that's a to-do list, and you, you know, you add things or whatever, and it's 12 o'clock, and yes, you put, yes, I did send flowers to my wife, and you just tap with the little thing, and it puts a little checkbox on that item, and clears it from the live tile. So that actually would be pretty neat. So I hope we do see this stuff. I'll, maybe I'll mention that to Microsoft when I talk to them um, next week. So there we go, guys. It's been another crazy week. I can guarantee you that next week will be awesome. Um, you can probably put the pieces together about why next week's going to be awesome. And I am excited about next week. You should be excited about next week. And some really good stuff coming. And I can't wait until I can talk more about it. So everybody, today is October 16th. This has been the Sam's Report. Once again, appreciate everybody chiming in, talking, whatever. And I hope you guys have a great weekend. And thanks for listening.